going to deal with the theme, if you will, going from have not to I have a lot. I solicit your prayers. As we turn to the second chapter of this letter to 1 Peter, again, the audience that he's addressing are exiles, strangers, not welcome in the land that they're living, the diaspora, those who have been spread out. But yet, he writes them with a message of hope and to encourage them. And you might be in that same situation that this letter can be written to you, a message of hope to encourage you. That you might be living now, living as if you have nothing. But I want to encourage you, but that you can still have a lot. Because what you might be basing value on, you might find has no value at all. But yet what God can give you is truly where your value is. Reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God says, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. But he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the, meditation, through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for a great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, the headstone, the capstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can now show others the goodness of God. For he calls you out of the darkness into his marvelous, into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you, were, once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. From have not to I have a lot. Read verse 10 one more time. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. If you don't catch anything else that I said, just read that verse over again and realize that once you had nothing, now you have a lot. Once you had no identity, now God has called you his people. Once you had no mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
in, in order for you to realize how much you have, you didn't know the value of what you had. When, when you know you have something of value, you treasure it. You, you put it in, in very special places. Uh, uh, you know that, that favorite toy you had as a child and you didn't want no, your siblings to play with it, so you hid it from them. Or, or you put it in a place that you wouldn't think they would find it, but oftentimes they did. But you would try to hide these things. Or maybe you have something special, your favorite car, and you cover it up and put it in a, in a garage or you have it locked away in a storage place so you only bring it out when the sun is shining. You might have maybe a, a special stash of cash that you hide somewhere that nobody else knows where it is, but you know because you got it for some just-in-case purposes. You, we all have some things that we treasure that we sometimes hide and put in a place, but in order for us to hide it and put it in that place, we first have to make room. And so in order to make room, you got to get rid of some things. He see here that, so therefore, or in this way, you see Peter has talked about being holy. So if you're going to be living holy, then you need to get rid of some unholy stuff. All right. See, see, because you know, if you know what you have, then you remove what's going to degrade or, or, or give lesser value to what you have. Think about it. When you're trying to sell a house, you want to make sure your house looks good. So you don't want anything to detract from the value of what you treasure. But yet we see here in this text that Peter is telling us that we need to remove all kind of deceit and hypocrisy and jealousy and all of unkind speech. In other words, slander. When you look at these words, it's talking about how we, when we don't know God and, and we act like we don't know God when we do, when you confess God, that we start living hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy is coming from the word that they use for an actor. In other words, an actor could act like he has a, a happy marriage but his house is falling apart at home. An actor can act like he's the most honest person in the world, but they're nothing but a lie out there on the street. An actor can act like they're the most sober person in the world, but nothing but a drunk outside on every weekend. You see, an actor can act, but yet it's not reality. Because if you draw back the curtain and you see what's behind the stage, you see the truth. That's during the times actors will put on costumes so they could put on the appearance of everything's being all right, but still, underneath his clothes, it's the same person. When we live in a, in, a, in a hypocrite state that we now slander somebody, that we will sling mud on them so they will be dirty too. They, they'll put information on you, and you say, well, look at you. We'd be quick to deflect to, and say, I, I, I'm not as bad as you. We, we are quick to... Force blame on somebody instead of taking responsibility and says, yes, that is me. Let me remove this from my character. Because we see it in the garden, way, way back in the garden, that when God asked uh, Adam and Eve, they were quick to deflect to say it was somebody else's fault. But yet we need to realize that in our, matur in our maturation, in our growing, that we need to realize that we need to take the responsibility and removing the things that will hinder in our relationship with Christ so that we can meet the qualifications. Because when we remove the slandering things, because these things that are deceit, a deceit here, the word deceit here means something that is that's deceitful and, and coming, just no reason but to fool, and full of trickery, sort of like a, a magic coin. Anybody ever seen a magic coin before? And there's nothing, nothing magnificent about a magic coin, but um, both sides has the same imprint. And so you show one side, it looks like his, right? It looks like a regular con, but it's an imposter. It's deceitful. And so if you turn around, you see, oh, it's a trick. That's nothing but deception. We trick people. 
to believe in us, to, to trust in us, but we know we're nothing but a lie. We, we, we are, we'll tell half the truth, but not all the truth, and say we're telling the truth, but still the half truth is still a lie. And so if we want to remove this, it says then you need to desire like a newborn baby, like a newborn baby, like an infant desire pure milk. Did you see that in the text? Pure milk. The word pure there is the opposite of the word deceit. It's the opposite. So you're going from having deceitful desires to having pure, unadulterated, uncontaminated word of God. That no longer you're going to be speaking in lies, but you'll be speaking in truth, living in truth, walking in truth, being truly like I will walk by faith and, and not by sight. How the just walk by faith. In order for me to meet those qualifications, I need to desire the word of God. When you desire the word of God, it means you study his word. You, you, you come out sometimes to Sunday school and, and Bible study. You study your word on your own. You share your word with other people. It's no longer just a place setting. It's no longer wrapped up in your cover that you have that you carry it to church every Sunday just sitting there waiting for you to come here. But it's ready to be worn and tried and true. Uh, I got my Bible. My Bible's missing some pages because it's been used. You understand what I'm saying here? You want to have a Bible that's been used, that has some battle scars, that got some marks on it because you've been using it, but you haven't been using it for a doorstop. That's why it got beat up. But it's been used on the battlefield. And so I desire the word of God like an infant baby. Even on top of that, studies show that a baby that's breastfeed up to six months is healthier than a baby that's not been breastfed. And, and on top of that, it's a double benefit that the mother is even healthier. The mother heals faster. And cast this, ladies, uh, the mother loses weight faster. And, 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 and you see here, there's a benefit from doing that, that the baby desires that nutrition and getting those antioxidants to help it fight against disease and, and, and all those other things that kill the infant too early by the mother's own natural, unadulterated nutrients coming from her to the baby. Same thing, think about the word of God. Mm. That how it will nurture you. It will prevent you from causing havoc in your life. It'll empower you and keep your immune system, if you will, uh, strong enough that when the enemy comes to attack you, you, you might sneeze, but you might not get sick. You sneeze because you're allergic to that wickedness. <laughs> and it tells you a telltale sign that I'm not going there. Uh, has anybody been there? You know, somebody was smoking around you, you cough, you realize I'm not going there. Uh, you had that allergic reaction. So I, I'm not going to get involved in that. I heard Moody said that sin keeps you away from the Bible, but the Bible keeps you away from sin. So when we have that word of God in us and we desire it like a baby, it's nurturing, it's building us up. So then as we're maturing, as we're growing, we start looking like Jesus. And as we start looking like Jesus, then we realize that we too become some rocks, some living stones. That's to be placed on the cornerstone. Now, let me help you out with this cornerstone. Today, in modern times, we don't use a cornerstone like it used to be. A matter of fact, if you, if you are familiar with Zion's property, you can find the old cornerstone. Just sitting out on the side of the street. On the side right there by the parking lot, full of water when it rains. It's just sitting right out there. The old cornerstone is erected in 1896. You can see it. You know it. It's that, it's that old, old brick building. But yet, it's the cornerstone for decoration purposes. 
But originally, the cornerstone was not just for decoration purposes, but that the cornerstone is what held the building together. It was the secret part that if they knocked that part out, everything would fall apart and collapse. But also, the cornerstone was not put in first, but it was oftentimes put in halfway through, so it would be laying down on the ground. And as it's laying down on the ground, it looks like it's been rejected. It looks like a stumbling block to the uninitiated. It looks like something that should not be used. But yet to us, we find out that it's our cornerstone. And that's why we truly can sing that song on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Because as Christ is that rock and Peter rock, Cephas, is, he's talking about these rock things. We realize that as living stones, hallelujah, we are able to come to the true living stone, the true cornerstone, the true. Y'all see that true stuff in there again, right? You see, we're moving from deceit. We go to the truth. We cling to the truth. We come to the true light because the world rejected the true light. It says, and John says that the world receives him not uh, because they'd rather be in darkness. They, they'd rather be in doomed and judgment. They did not receive the light. But I'm so glad that Jesus, as the true light, has enabled us. Tell somebody, has made us to be lights. And so we too can be lights just like him. We are called to be just like him. And we're waiting for that day when we truly will be uh, just like him. I'm talking to somebody here. I'm, I'm, I'm moving too fast. Uh, do you understand we're going to be made like him? Do you understand we're going to have a glorious body? Do you understand that there'll be no need for no sun, no lamp, no light, because God will be our light, and therefore we will be lights uh, in the light's presence, being there with him? If you don't believe, just look in Revelation. But I'm here right in Peter right now. And we see here that God is calling us to be like him so we can be what a royal priesthood. See, when you know your value, when you know your value, you can see that I once had no identity, but now I do have an identity. And, 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 and then you can, get, you, can get, you, man, you can go ahead and get sassy with it. You can get up and get bold with it and let them know that I am his chosen, a precious stone. Do you not see that in the text? Chosen, mean selected, mean prized, that I was elected. He could have chose somebody else, but he chose me. Am I talking to somebody here? Some of y'all look at me with blank faces. Some of y'all woke up this morning feeling good about you. That's great. But I'm telling you, you can feel even better about yourself. Really, that God woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. He protects your household. Sometimes, I'm, sometimes I know we get caught up thinking we can do something. But you cannot do a darn thing. But yet God said, I chose you. I formed you, I made you, and I made you for a good purpose. You are chosen, you are precious in my eyesight. That's why we can get excited when funerals do come, that precious are the saints that die in his eyesight. That's why we can get excited that it says, come and rest from your labors. <laughs> we can get excited and realize that God has called us to a greater and a higher calling because this place is not our home. And so as a precious stone, I have been properly appraised by the one who gives the best value. You, you take your jewelry, you take your wedding rings, you take your watches, you take your car, you have your house, you have it appraised to see what the value is. So you can see you get as much value from that. But I want you to know those, those things you still get value on still will depreciate. But the value that God has given you, we already read it earlier, if you read earlier in Peter, that it says it's not fading. It's undefiled. It's pure. In other words, it's saying that it will never lose its value. What God has placed on you, nobody can ever degrade and knock it down. Because God, what he says is true. It, re it remains. He set the standard. And so God said, if you're precious, then by golly, you're precious. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your neighbor, I'm precious. 
And so as precious then, as precious then, as this royal priesthood, as a holy nation, as a chosen people by God, then there's a, a responsibility for me now. Because as a living stone, I'm being used to make a temple. And, and I, I want you to look around. I want you to look around and see all the living rocks we got in here. Or we can make a mighty building. And when we make a mighty building, make a temple for God, you know what the temple was for? The temple represented where God rested. That went over somebody's head. Let me slow it down. The temple represented where God rested. That means that his presence was there. And, 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 and you look in the Old Testament, you can see that when God's presence came, they were worshiping, magnified. If God was in the city, they knew that God was with them. They, they, they knew that no king, no warriors could come against them and defeat them because God placed himself there in the temple. But I'm here to tell you that the time has come that God has outpoured his Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And now, because of the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, where two or three are gathered together, surely he is in the midst. I'm talking to some Bible readers here. And so when you come together... You're making a living temple. And when you make a living temple, there's work that's to be done in the temple. And what's the work? Y'all asking some good questions. Supposed to present some sacrifices. Not just any sacrifice, but a spiritual sacrifice. See that in the text? Keep your Bibles open. I'm not, I'm not moving from away. There's a spiritual sacrifice. And, and, and then before you can make the sacrifice, you have to be qualified. That went over somebody's head. Before you can make the sacrifice, you have to be qualified. In order for you to meet the qualifications, you have to be chosen. Because God chose the priests. I'll just give you a quick history. They went to Aaron and they went to the Levi. Aaron's family had the priest, but Aaron kind of messed up, lying down the way that he changed and chose another clan to be the priest. Check your Bible. You'll, you'll see there's a shift somewhere. Because God chose to be the priest. Even on top of that, God chose who's going to be the Levites. God chose who's going to be the king. God chose Abraham. Do you understand what it means to be chosen by God now? That when he chooses you, how special that is? Because his covenant relationship with who he chooses is kept from generation to generation. That's why you should have got excited when I talk about how he chose you. Let me help out for my children out of here. You know when you be on the playground and they're choosing for the team, you always want to be picked first. No matter you're good or you're bad, you just want to be picked first because nobody likes to be the last one picked. Because the last one picked points out and it may suggest that you have been rejected. It may suggest that you are really no good and no use. It, it may suggest that you are the last alternative. I'd rather not have you, but since you're here, I got to have you. That's what it may suggest. But when you are chosen first and, and you've been elected out of the many that you could have been chosen, it might suggest that you are the best. Uh, I, it might suggest that you are better than the rest. It might suggest I like you better than everybody else. And I'm here to tell you that every morning you wake up, you can wake up and realize that I was his first draft choice. Because when we're in his chosen one, the Messiah, we're the first draft choice. Because when we're in Jesus as a living temple, as a living royal nation priesthood, we are presenting sacrifice. But let me get back to again that in order for you to meet the qualifications, you first have been chosen. And then once you've been chosen, you have to keep his standard. 
The priests had to keep the standards. They lived differently than everybody else. The priests did not live like every other one in the Hebrew nation, in the Israelites. He didn't, they did not live. They had special, special laws that they had to obey in order that they would be able to present sacrifices. That's why it kind of drives home when Jesus tells the story of the, of the parable, the good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite. They would have been, if that person, they, they, we don't know that they checked close enough, but if that person was dead, then they would have been unclean as they were going down to the temple probably for a service. So that was on their mind that if I don't step by this guy, I'll be unclean. I will be unable to do my duty. But I'm so glad that God has, has eliminated such things about being unclean because we could never truly ever, 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 ever be clean. But by the blood of Jesus, uh, we have been washed and, and made whole. And by that, that's why we are a holy nation. A royal priest or God's chosen people. Why is that? Because now we are the children of Israel. And as the children of Israel, we have a special possession. The Israel, the home, the capital city was Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was where the temple was. If you look a little bit further down and see John's revelation, I, I believe he said, I saw a new Jerusalem. I saw a new heaven and earth. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? I'm glad you're asking that question. I'm glad you're anticipating. I'm glad you're involved. This is why. God has called you his people. And he wants to be with his people. And, and the best way I can tell you why he wants to be with his people is because he chose you. Jesus bled and died for you. And so let me bring this home to you real quick. This world that they're living in is a time of oppression. They, they have been uh, 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 prejudiced and, and been chastised because of them confessing Christ as a Lord and Savior. You continue on, Peter calls it, don't, don't be surprised when diverse trials come upon you. We read before that when you are tested, you're being tested, it's going to improve your faith. What I'm trying to tell you is that this world is full of tests and trials. This world is full of times that your body's not going to feel all right. This world is food that every time you go to your bank account, you might not have a bank account. This world is food that you might go to your job and find out you don't have a job. This world is food that you might go to pay for your insurance and find out you don't have any insurance. This world is food that you went to use a credit card and they kept it. They didn't give it back. This world is food that you thought you had some money in your pocket, but you kept on coming up with lint. This world is food you went to the doctor for a checkup. He checked you in. This world is food of disappointments. But I'm so glad that by and by, as the days go on, that this world is only going to be destroyed. And one of these mornings, our God is coming back. And so until that time, I'm going to live as his chosen, as his selector. Get removing defilement and hypocrisy and all kind of slander from my voice. And, and say, Lord, let me worship you. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in your eyesight. Uh, may, may, may I meditate on you day and night. Uh, may I worship you in spirit uh, and in truth. Even though my body is wrecked in pain, uh, I'll be reminded of Job. Uh, though he slay me, uh, yet uh, I will trust him. Uh, I might be wrecked in pain and it's falling down, but I can say like Job, I know my Redeemer lives. Uh, maybe I might be like the prophet Habakkuk uh, 
and see that there's no grapes on the vine. There's no cattle in the field. But yet I will bless the Lord. Are you glad today that no matter what you're going through, God has chosen you. And since he's chosen you, you have a greater destiny. This body's never going to be perfect. But one of these days, you're going to have a new body. You're going to have one that's not going to fade. And you'll be able to be with the God that calls you his own. Good day, now Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, you ought to testify that God has called you. He's called you to be a mighty people, a great nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood for his glory. I know the enemy's going to slay you and try to knock you down, but you can be reminded, great is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Good day now, children. May it bless you, good God from Zion. But hold on to God's unchanging hand. That stone they rejected has become the cornerstone. That pleasant rock, that good rock on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking stand. That stone they rejected will stumble, they'll fall, and the destination is destruction. But when I stand on Christ, I can see glory. I can see some peace. I can see some joy. I can see my days getting better. It might not be Monday. It might not be Tuesday. But one of these days, it's going to get better. Because I know, I know, this is not my home. But I've been called to a greater place. Is that all right? Is that all right? Is that all right? Tell your neighbor it's all right. Hallelujah. I started out with nothing, but now I have a lot. I had no mercy, uh, sinking in sin. Uh, he saw me in my desperate state, uh, and they hung him high. Uh, they stretched him wide for you and me. Uh, he died. It said he, he cried out and said, Into your hands, my father, I commit my spirit. And he hung his head into the lock of the shoulders. Uh, they stabbed him in the side to see if he was dead. Uh, blood and water came running out. Uh, it said a rich man begged for his body to put him in his tomb. They put a boulder on his tomb thinking they could stop God's chosen son. But early that third day morning, he got up with all power in his hands. He went down like a common criminal, but he rose up the exalted ruler. He went down rejected by his own people, but he rose up to call us a holy nation. The understand that Jesus uh, went through had some have-nots uh, in order for you to have a lot uh, so you can stand up now and thank God that you've been blessed uh, to have a whole lot more than what you started with. You've come a long way uh, from where you started from. Uh, good God from Zion. So shout glory. Uh, hallelujah. It's all right uh, because uh, he's good. His mercy endureth forever. Say yeah. Say yeah. One more time. Say yeah. Tell your neighbor he's all right. Tell him I have a lot. Tell him I have a lot. Tell three people I have a lot. Oh, hallelujah. So no matter what you're going through, you have more than what you started with. Give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.